Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast, Episode 5. Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast. I'm your host, nurse journalist Jamie Davis. Our goal is to discuss important nursing practices during the COVID-19 pandemic and offer tips for nurses on the front line or behind the scenes. We hear you, we're with you, and we support you. Thanks for joining us, whether you're listening in the car, at the house, doing everyday chores, or maybe just taking a quick break. In this podcast series, we will do our best to provide you with the most current information from our incredible community of nurses. However, you should always check with the nursing practice standards for the state in which you're licensed and working, as well as with the organization or healthcare facility where you work. Today, we chat with Kishan Mulsankar, a nurse manager at North Shore University Hospital. I ask him how his organization converted the neurosurgical intensive care unit into a COVID unit at the height of the COVID pandemic in New York. We had to speak with him over a phone line due to connectivity issues, so you may notice a slight difference in the audio quality you've come to expect from our show. Let's listen to Kishin to learn the innovative ways he used his nurse leadership position to provide the support his team needed to provide their best nursing care during the first wave of the COVID crisis. Kishan, I want to welcome you to the show and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about uh, your initial experiences with uh, COVID-19 in your facility. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, so a little bit about myself, um, the current nurse manager at the neurosurgical ICU at North Shore Manhasset. Uh, our unit uh, was converted into a COVID unit sometime in mid-March. Uh, in response to the increased number of patients that required the intensive care setting, the hospital had to double its capacity in regards to ICU beds. Uh, I was involved in the planning, coordination, and also the implementation of these ancillary units. Another thing, myself, my peers, fellow nurse managers, assistant nurse managers, uh, we were responsible to cross-cover some of these ancillary units. I saw firsthand the toll, both emotionally and physically, that the COVID-19 pandemic had on all of us. Everyone in the organization felt the impact. Our frontline nurses, especially our critical care nurses, struggled with things like ethical dilemmas, compassion fatigue, burnout, and a sense of uncertainty and fear when coming to work. I don't think anyone in, in our lifetime would have uh, expected some sort of a tragedy like this to occur. I know this has been unprecedented, as you said, and, and none of us have really expected this. Um, what was it that caught you most by surprise? What caught me most by surprise was the influx of ICU patients. Never thought and never imagined that our facility would have to find a way to double the number of ICU beds. I wasn't prepared for this amount of patients. Uh, our procedural areas, our medical surgical units uh, had to be converted into critical care units. Uh, with work from all of the departments, uh, this had to be done rapidly. Some of our units did not have bedside monitors that we're used to in the intensive care setting. Uh, we had to be creative and utilize cameras, uh, Amazon Alexa modules to view our patients with the ventilators and our monitors. Although not optimal, um, 
you know, and I realized that with feedback from the interdisciplinary team, uh, especially our frontline staff, I think we were able to provide an environment that was conducive for the nurses to practice safe and, and effectively. Two things that we did at the end of our shift, gathered the staff and, you know, we asked about feedback, um, about materials, um, strategic placement of monitors, staff, and supplies, and, and what would improve the workflow. It's difficult to take constructive criticism, but it's something that's helped me to grow. You mentioned kind of gathering the staff together. What else did you do in the beginning to uh, add to the things you did to support your staff in the midst of everything that was happening? One of the things that I did, especially in the beginning and throughout the height of the pandemic in, in New York, is I did a lot of uh, virtual meetings. I did at least three to five weekly. So utilizing um, these huddles and, and our virtual meetings, I was able to first ask the staff what sort of information did they need in these meetings. Uh, one of the things they wanted to know what was going on through the facility and also throughout the organization. So I kind of tailored my meeting for what they wanted um, during my meeting. The next thing that I did, and I quickly realized, uh, it wasn't all about giving information. It provided also uh, an outlet to speak about their experiences and what questions they had. So the, the meetings were more led uh, by the staff. So those are some of the things I did uh, in the height you know, of the crisis at our facility to help to reach out to staff. As we move forward, of course, things have settled down a good bit in New York, which is great. But um, do you anticipate holding on to any of these changes as an ongoing process um, for your facility and definitely need it again if there is a, another surge in the fall? There were so many things that we learned from this and myself as a nurse leader and our organization, uh, we are going to take forward. Some of the things that, you know, that I've learned, especially during the time of a crisis such as the pandemic, keeping uh, information concise. Uh, this was important to the staff and not have, you know, half hour to 45 minute meetings. Um, nurses on, on the front lines, you know, times of crisis need to adapt rapidly. Providing support for families in, in some of the cases was most important, especially when care was futile or the prognosis was very poor. So one of the things that came out of the, you know, COVID-19 is the way we communicate uh, with families, you know, because a lot of our families couldn't physically make it to the hospital. Utilizing a different virtual communication methods, we were able to reach a lot of families. You know, a story I would like to share and had such a profound and deep impact on myself and the staff. There was a patient in their 30s who was terminally extubated, and unfortunately, the wife could not make it to the hospital. So she asked the patient's nurse to do a FaceTime while we terminally extubated him, and she played their wedding song. Um, this was something I've never seen. My, my whole staff broke down in tears. The way we communicate with families, I think utilizing the virtual platform is going to be something for us going ahead. A few other things in our unit from the clinical aspect, this COVID-19 not only ravaged the pulmonary system, it affected the neurologic system and other systems in the body. And one of the things we struggle with in the neuro-ICU and we're curious about was some of our patients when, for example, they were taken off sedation, we weren't sure it was a, that it had an effect or if they had some sort of neurological insult. Uh, because of COVID-19. So what our team introduced was a trial program where we would do uh, rapid MRIs 
portable MRIs at the bedside because there was a lot of hesitancy for transferring a critically ill patient from floor to floor to get an MRI done. So we actually trialed this and we were able to see neurological changes in a lot of our patients. This is going to be adopted throughout our facility. It was proposed to our Critical Care Performance Improvement Committee. So this can be utilized by all of our ICUs. That's fascinating. And what an innovative way to adapt to that particular challenge with this disease, as it does affect so many systems in the body. You mentioned um, that one particular story, how it impacted your staff emotionally. How are you monitoring those types of emotional stressors on your staff and adapting to managing them? The organization that we work for sent out a team member support survey that was filled out. And it basically wanted to know from staff things that they needed help with or things that they needed uh, resources. Uh, some of the themes that came out of uh, this survey was they had issues managing stress, um, issues caring for their overall well-being, care for their physical well-being. Some of our staff were worried about financial well-being. In, in addition to balancing caretaking responsibilities, some had to be separated from their families of fear of transmitting the virus to their family. So I'm going to utilize this survey to see what is my staff struggling with most and try to leverage my organization to implement strategies. Some of the things that we've worked on in our institution is uh, we've added things like a tranquility spaces. We've converted two of our conference room where nurses can go to have a quiet space and kind of detach themselves uh, from the unit. This has received a, a lot of feedback. To monitor the effectiveness of this, I'm a big fan and a big proponent to have informal surveys and formal surveys to, to judge the effectiveness of these programs. Uh, it's the only way, you know, you can create a sustainable environment for our nurses to promote a healthy work environment. What about an unintended positive outcome? Um, was there anything that came out of this crisis that you felt was a surprising positive change among your staff? One of the things that we're currently working on is documentation. And if you speak to any nurse, documentation is something that no one likes. But what our hospital did, especially during COVID and now that things are winding down uh, in the hospital, put a team together, which included all key stakeholders, including the frontline uh, nurses, to look at the way we document to try to give our nurses more time at the bedside. So this is something that was unintended. Also. The integration of technology, um, like I mentioned about MRI at the bedside. One of the other things that was an unintended positive effect, you know, we created a crony team that consisted of folks from our mobility team, our physical occupational therapist, and a respiratory therapist. This really helped our nurses and our patients to rapidly manually prone someone before it would take approximately 30 to 45 minutes to prone a patient with all of the ventilators, the tubes and everything else, teams like this was something that was unintended. The other thing, our hospital is divided into different service lines, especially our critical care unit. And it gave the nurses a chance to work with other nurses that they never would ordinarily have the chance to work with. And I think uh, our nurses and the feedback from all of our nurses that I've gotten was they have a greater appreciation uh, for critical care nurses that work in other areas. For example, neuro ICU nurses, they have a great appreciation for our CTU ICU nurses and, and vice versa. So I, I think this has made our organization and our team stronger.
You've mentioned so many innovative ideas and things that, that changed in the way you manage patients, like the bedside MRIs, the proning team. Were there any other standout innovations that came along as a result of having to care for these patients and adapt the way you provide patient care? One of the things that we utilize, especially in these ancillary uh, ICUs, these units, uh, procedural areas, and especially the med search floor, they didn't have the capability of bedside monitors like we're used to in the intensive care setting. We had to get creative in using Amazon Echo cameras and install cameras into the bedside so our nurses can monitor our patients. One of the things that came out of this is for our patients who are fall risk and restless, uh, installing uh, cameras in their rooms so we could watch them uh, remotely, especially to decrease the spread of infection within the unit to keep the doors closed. We were able to view these patients that this is something going forward the organization is thinking about utilizing. It's drastically changed the way that we manage uh, certain patients. As a nurse manager, what has the COVID-19 crisis done to change the way you approach being a manager? Before I would make a decision, I would utilize the multidisciplinary team, especially when it comes to decisions that affect the workplace. The height of the pandemic, emotions are running high. First, as a nurse leader, I must say, we must acknowledge that these feelings are genuine and be compassionate and empathetic to our nurses. One of the things I learned, especially making a decision and not being afraid to fail, you must be decisive and your decisions must be based on facts, especially if it's an unpopular decision. Another thing is to find an effective way to measure the effectiveness of your decision, whether it's by informal or formal feedback, utilizing all the key stakeholders, helping to identify what went wrong, what were the challenges, and what changes can we make. At times, we might have to discard the whole plan. Uh, this has helped me better at, at making decisions. And at times, like I said, it might be an unpopular decision. What have you learned about your own personal leadership style in the midst of this crisis? I need to rely more on my team members around me. Nurse leaders, we always think that, you know, we can be there 24-7. But one of the things that I quickly realized, I needed a lot of trust in our charge nurses and our assistant managers and our staff in general. One of the things that I think that we lose sight of especially during this COVID pandemic. We were more worried about dealing with the clinical aspects and pushing out education. One of the things that I kind of left to the wayside in the beginning of this pandemic was staff development. And I learned after a few weeks into this, this might be a good opportunity for some of our novice nurses um, to experience uh, leadership roles. For example, uh, making them charge. I've had a few nurses also to me and said, you know, I would like to take on a bigger role. And, and this was something that I, I marveled at because some of these nurses haven't taken on the charge nurse role as frequently as some of my other nurses. So I was relying on my, on my more senior nurses. And I'm so happy that some of the nurses did come to me and, and help me see that even though we are dealing with the clinical issues that as nurse leaders, we still have to make some time to do those additional things such as building our staff and developing our staff. Communication is so key in leadership, and especially as nurses, because so much happens in the exchange of information from one nurse to another. How has your communication style changed? I know you've mentioned more virtual meetings and things like that. You know, what about just getting in touch and keeping in touch with your nurses? I have a 24-7 open-door policy. All my nurses have my cell phone number. All my staff have my cell phone number. No different from pre-COVID. 
you know, I had a lot of nurses call me after shift, um, especially that one nurse that had that experience with the patient um, who we had to terminally extubate. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, she just wanted someone to talk to. But one of the things, the way my communication style will change is I, and I didn't do this very well pre-COVID and I learned very quickly, was a gathering feedback from staff on ways to improve my communication style. And for example, if I'm going to have a meeting, um, try to find out from my audience and my staff members, what are some of the things they want to cover in the meeting? One of the things I also did was I invited my critical care nursing director to a lot of our virtual meetings and our daily huddles, and I gathered feedback from her. This was useful in helping me to plan my next meeting or huddle. And sometimes as a nurse leader, it's difficult to take constructive criticism, but it's the only way I, I think that you can grow. So gathering feedback is something I'm going to incorporate into my communication style going forward. You've talked a lot about how you've supported your staff throughout the process of the COVID-19 crisis with your facility. What have you done to manage your own self-care during this process? Because obviously there's a lot of stress coming on you in the midst of this, as well as dealing with all the stress with your staff. Three things I could think of. First is I had to do a lot of self-reflection, especially driving home after a shift, thinking to myself, you know, what could I have done better? What do I need to change? This helps me to mentally process some of the things that have happened. You know, it helps me to think about some of the positive things, some of the things that didn't go right. And, and I think it's, it's a powerful tool of using self-reflection and looking at yourself and saying, you know, what can I do better um, or what went well? The other thing is, and the one thing I, I must say, I'm grateful to work for an organization that is promoting a good work-life balance for its nurse leaders and its staff. I'm a big proponent of empowering your staff to make decisions, detaching uh, myself by having a good work-life balance. The third thing that I could think about is uh, developing an, an atmosphere of positivity, I think has really helped me uh, during this COVID crisis. For example, uh, things like, you know, doing simple shout outs during my huddles, having a board or even calling out a team member for highlighting their exemplary teamwork, messages of hope. Uh, th these are some of the things that I utilize and I think it's galvanized and reinvigorated me. As we wrap up here, the COVID crisis is moving at different paces and different speeds in different parts of the country. So there are nurse managers that are in the beginning of the ramp up phase uh, and others coming down the other side. So what would be one final piece of advice you might offer to other nurse managers out there as we close out this episode? Moral distress, compassion, fatigue, and burnout are all complex physical issues that intertwine with each other. These are difficult topics to broach, to address and understand. Especially as a nurse manager, this is something that I was not comfortable with, and I'm still learning about these topics and learning how to incorporate them more into my practice. One of the things I would say is bring all the key stakeholders to the table, start opening up the conversation. That would be the first step. For nurse leaders, Listen to staff and provide a safe space for them to express their feelings, ideas, and concerns. Be proactive by building support services for the staff, especially, you know, at a time like this where we have rested from the crisis. Be active in building those support services, utilizing and leveraging the resources of the organization. Uh, my organization has put together several programs to assist staff in 
addressing these issues and one of your functions to bring this out to the staff. Two other things that I found useful to me is utilizing two of the pillars of aid and healthy work environment, effective decision-making and true collaboration. Two really great ways to bring key stakeholders to the table to strategize, implement, and also monitor the effectiveness of the strategies. And this ensures the sustainability and helping to promote and achieve a healthy work environment. For our nurse leaders, this is not something that you can tackle alone. I've utilized social work, chaplaincy, nurse educators, our patient family-centered care department to help me to tackle this issue. Speaking of collaboration, you know, I, I remember a quote from Helen Keller, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. One of the things that, that I saw during this COVID crisis, you know, I was astounded and amazed by the teamwork from all of the disciplines. Uh, watching critical care nurses from other units work with each other, it was something to marvel at. Sometimes, you know, we work in silos, but this pandemic has made the team stronger. Tishan, thanks so much for taking the time to share your thoughts and innovative ideas with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That will conclude today's episode of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast. You can stay up to date with us at our website, aacn.org. And for more great updates, connect with AACN through Instagram at Exceptional Nurses. You won't want to miss our next episode when we'll be talking to nurse Emily Shands. Emily stepped up and offered to work in her hospital's COVID unit only months after graduating from nursing school. We'll explore how she found the confidence to work in the COVID unit so early in her career, what her time there changed about her views on nursing, and we get a few nuggets of advice she has for other new nurses. I'm nurse journalist Jamie Davis, thanking you for taking the time to join us in the midst of your busy day. We hear you, we're with you, and we support you. <laughs>